Daylight savings time is coming. What do we got? One more week? Oh, one week. I think so. Thought it was sooner than that. I'll check my calendar. I think it's the first week in November. Let me see. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the third. Yeah, so one more week. Halloween and then daylight savings time. You know, I know the purpose of daylight savings time. They adjusted it for the train schedules and all that. That's when it came out. I think with modern technology, why don't we just eliminate daylight savings time? Now? Do we really need it? Things that make you go. Hmm. <laughs> All right, everyone, we are live. Welcome to SEO This Week, episode 139. If you've never joined us before, you know, we just have random conversations in the beginning just to make sure everything's working, everyone's getting the stream, everyone can hear us. It looks like that's the case. So that is awesome. I am joined by my good friend, Ted Kibitis. Say hi, Ted. Hello. If you all don't know, Ted was on vacation. He was partying like a rock star in Europe and threw himself on the ground in a mosh pit or some craziness and hurt his back. So uh, if he turns red because it starts shifting and stuff, let me know and we'll kick him off the show so he can go get some rest. <laughs> I appreciate that, but so far, so good. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Uh, we are going to be talking about, I got like 15 stories this week. It's kind of pretty interesting week. Um, if you guys are monitoring or, or look at the SEO content space like I do, um, you notice that a lot of things get rinsed and repeated over and over and over and over again. And most marketers that are trying to leverage content marketing for SEO Legion are let me just say, you know, we're all doing a really shit job uh, with writing stuff. We're, we're saying the same things over and over, or we're making and creating headlines that just don't match the content piece that you have. Uh, one that I saw earlier uh, to this week was 17 ways to uh, leverage, 17 new ways to leverage marketing uh, on your website. Uh, sounded exciting. It was interesting. It was a great title. You clicked to it and it was about doing page speed optimization, um, content optimization, doing some keyword research and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is completely boring. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. Obviously yeah, you can't, there's, it's really hard to talk about the basics in a new and exciting way. I get that, but come on folks as a community we just need to try a whole lot better well the the thing is there's the the black hat concept which i have named uh plausible content it's not actual content it's really web spam uh but it's to a degree that it's plausibly content <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what's happening is people are cranking out stuff fast that's keyword rich to try to get traffic and it's hard to filter out the bullshit from the actual information and that's you know part of the reason why i love your show so much is is you take that pain pill instead of the rest of us yeah, and I got to tell you, it's painful. You guys should really appreciate what I do because reading some of this stuff is, it's 
totally painful. <laughs> it's good. Oh, yeah, the, dog just, the dog just threw me off track. So if it looks like I'm winging it right there, then I am because the dogs are barking for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So some of the stuff I used to read before, uh, uh, you know, totally hopping on board with your show, it would just make me mad. It was so bad. It would just, you know, start off my day getting pissed off that somebody wasted my time with a skyscraper article that amounted to complete bullshit. You know, that's uh, that's a painful thing to do. You know, I, honestly, where I think it comes from is the, you know, you have to do content marketing world. And I don't want to blame it on the, on the white hats, but, you know, if you have an enterprise website, and I think we, you and I talked about this on other shows and we talked about it on Fight Club as well, is if I have an enterprise website that ranks easily, then a content marketing plan like that really does make sense because I can just write content. Google's going to reward me. I'm going to get traffic and the brand power is going to carry everything over. And obviously I'll have some failures and I'll have some successes, but my, my rate is a lot higher than if I was creating a brand new blog and putting out content every day without a promotion plan, which is kind of where this goes along without a promotion plan for that content, it's not going to work. So if you're putting out junk, I'll, I'll, I'll just say junk. It's not necessarily junk. You know, you guys are putting a lot of hard work into doing these articles and stuff, but if you're putting out junk or if you're putting out weak articles and then not promoting it, you might as well not write the content in the first place. You know, just save yourself that whole extra set step of work um, because you got to put out good stuff. And then promote that stuff, build your brand, and eventually you can do a little bit less promotion and a lot more content creation uh, as that as it goes along. So, and I think that's really the lesson behind Brian Dean's stuff is you know he created really good content and then promoted that content, and that's how over time he builds his brand. And now he doesn't really have to do as much. So uh, you've been reviewing content in our industry for a long time. Uh, what do you think makes a good article? I think now today it's really about showing your data. Where are your conclusions coming from? Let's say you're doing an article about page speed optimization. Where is your conclusions about this behind the statement of uh, page speed improves SEO or page speed improves user experience? Whatever side of the article the the fence you are in that argument you should be able to you should a good seo piece today will put put the data behind it this is what i did even if you only did it on one site you're still doing data this is where i changed it these are the things that was before and after and here's my results uh and those are the kind of articles that are to me that are more effective and our customer base is getting a lot more intelligent um or you know informed uh, because of the amount of stuff that we're putting out there as, as an industry. So yeah, SEO journal, uh, what are the other ones? Um, um, SEM rushes blogs, doing good stuff. Uh, Cognitive SEO, they're all educating and Moz, for example, they're all educating our customer base. So they're getting to learn the terminology. They might not get all the applications thereof. Uh, so if you're, but if you're putting out that stuff and you're saying these are the kind of changes that we're going to make to your to your site uh, and you have that data showing that they're going to trust you a whole lot more than if you just write, you know, fix your page speed and, you know, adjust your CSS. And, you know, most people, I, the 99 percent of people that are reading that really don't care about it. And the other part are because it's 
beyond them. And then the ones that know it are like, all right, where's the meat? You know? So you, you just gotta, in my opinion, just move out and add some meat to your stuff nowadays. And don't put out as much. Right? It's just, you're killing yourselves. Don't put out as much, you know, and repurpose it. You know, if, if, for example, SEO this week, it's repurposed. It's a video. We do the, the live show. There's one platform. We have now we have the video. There's two. It's in my Facebook group, which is three. And I have the blog posts. And then it's also in a, a podcast. That's so one piece of content is repurposed and I'm good for the whole week. You don't have to do anything else. <laughs> so uh, do the same thing with your stuff. Make good stuff and then repurpose it and use it for you know leverage work off that leverage for a week and get the most out of it that's what my thoughts <sighs> rant over thanks ted you got me going man. we have a, <laughs> a sandbox question should we save it for the end uh, let's see hey guys is there a way to get a new site out of the google sandbox let's uh, let's get that one last i think that'll, that'll be a good way to close it out and then uh, that will carry over into our conversations for Fight Club for tomorrow. So let's do that. <clears throat> All right. Woo. Here's the episodes. <laughs> Episode 139, Coding, Links, and Mapping. I couldn't think of a better title this week. I think I'm going to start doing some clickbait crap and see what happens. Uh, first of all, if you guys don't know, I... You know, once I met Ted, I got interested in learning coding stuff and, and being able to play with the different languages and things that you can dink around with. The two that I wanted to really learn was Python and then Java. Python because it was cool and I could do a whole lot of things and automation and I have some other friends that do automation stuff with Python. And then Java because Cora is written in Java and I wanted to build a, a piece of software that would actually support Cora and, and make it to me a, lot of, a little bit better uh but it's stuff that you know Ted obviously can't add into the core core software on its own so i wanted to learn java because i like the platform i like being able to have pc and mac etc so where i'm going with that is maybe as seos we can actually start learning a little bit of coding and in this case it's sql sql uh, for SEO and then here are is a great article on some of the things you can do with it and thinking around with the database I can tell you right now from experience that it, you screw up your database you're going to screw up a whole website and like ruin plenty of databases <laughs> uh, so this can be fun and not so much fun as long as you but if you have some backups or you have a, a site you can play around with uh, I would go for it uh, there's some cool stuff in there that you can leverage like the website quality audit they um, talk about our good friends ryan stewart over at the blueprint training and how some of that is pulled into there together and then here's some things that you can do with the automated sql and i think they have, there's some cases or there's some actions and stuff in here that you can kind of duplicate and dink around with your own use case and see if you get yeah. anything out of it is again this... i would yeah i would say hold on ted i would say make a copy of your site and your database and put it on your website and start playing on your computer and start playing with it that way before you start digging around with the live site with this stuff but it's pretty cool go ahead ted so is this specifically sql examples for say a wordpress database or what what are we looking at here in terms of the queries doesn't 
say uh, WordPress, and it is leveraging BigQuery uh, as well. So big built-in tools in BigQuery. Yes. Um, in, in general, if you're thinking about dabbling in SQL, uh, your engineering department is going to hate this idea because <laughs> they're afraid you're going to break the web applications. Yep. So if you're only doing read only to pull data out of the database, that's typically much safer than if you're updating or deleting or creating uh, records. So if you talk about it within your organization, tell people you you want read-only access to the database, select only, um, and you'll probably get a better response from them. Uh, typically, how they'll respond is, how about you tell us what you want and we'll make you a report, <laughs> and that's also fine. That's even better, because then you don't have to learn all the technical crap. It's true. Um, and you save yourself yeah, a lot of drama. <laughs> it would be absolutely amazing if someone wrote an article on SEO queries for WordPress databases. And they gave you examples of the read-only queries to get cool information out of your installation. And so that, you know, there's something here that for the nerdier people like me, you know, if somebody created a playbook of SQL queries for SEO and WordPress, that would be amazing. That would be a huge resource. That would go viral quickly. And people would probably turn it into reporting plugins for WordPress too. Um, so yeah, there's some cool stuff conceptually here. I haven't read this article. Yeah, it's from the guys over at Coding is for Losers. So it's really good. I like it. And so I would check it out. I think you're going to get a lot of use out of it. And like Ted's idea, if you want to go beyond that and look at the WordPress specific stuff, that's, you know, there's a product right there for you. So if you're looking for a create a product or develop a SaaS, there you go. Uh, if you're, you know, can gather that or know the people that can put that together for you. And with that is also Python. There's a guy in the uh, chat, Leon, I didn't even pronounce, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his Lysac. Lysac. Yeah. <laughs> I probably slaughtered his name, but we're going to call him Leon and Leon and his brother do some killer stuff with Python. Uh, and it's way beyond what's in this article. But if you're into uh, technical stuff and you want to learn, learn about Python, which pretty much everyone has access to, they even have a new version out now uh, with some more power stuff, then I would check this out. There's example scripts as always, which are really helpful. Like image capturing, tuning, SEO analyzer, image optimizer, uh, and some other ideas to go along with it. And if you are really uh, resourceful, you can get on GitHub and there's all kinds of different scripts and stuff to, and to play around with. Uh, this one is really interesting to me. I'm going to play around with the, the language model ideas uh, and using Python to leverage those two together. Uh, or, you know, just come up with some ideas and give them to a guy like Leon and his brother and that will save me a whole bunch of time. Yeah, back in the uh, dot-com era, Python really became popular for web development uh, largely because of real networks. Their streaming video server was all built out of Python, and it really showcased how much power the language has for uh, web applications. And ever since then, it's been really popular uh, largely for that reason. If it's good enough for 
high-end video streaming, it's probably good enough for anything else you want to do with it. When I first started or picking or wanting to pick a language, everyone said Python. Uh, it was pretty much the universal recommendation just because of the crazy crap you can do with it. So I'm looking forward to getting more. There's a course, uh, it's called Real Python, I believe the name of it is. I'll look it up. If you guys are interested, just hit me up and I'll, I'll get you the name. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the one that, I, that I'm using right now, but you can find plenty of other ones or just, you know, do what most people do or how a lot of the hackers learn today is just figure it out. Just play with it and think with it and see what happens. Yeah, the, the argument against Python, the other side of the argument is the total cost of ownership. So when you build a website out of it and you get to a point where you need to hire people to maintain it, uh, Python developers tend to be a lot more expensive than PHP developers. So it makes your total cost of ownership for your business assets much higher. So if you're looking to reduce costs for something that you're not going to manage and maintain yourself, you might want PHP. Uh, but you really have to analyze the pros and cons of both. You think that cost is just because the... <sighs> I don't, I don't want to, I want to say that not many people are knowing it, but because of the popularity of it is popularity drive the cost of the. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if there's a ton more PHP developers, which there are, I mean, there, there's going to be lower rates, uh, lower entry rates to get those developers. Uh -huh. And yeah, and the same thing is true with like Ruby, uh, you know, Ruby's no more difficult than Python or PHP, but there are so fewer people doing it uh, that it's just so much more expensive. Yeah. Which explains why it took me two months to find a Java program developer. <laughs> and that guy didn't even know how to do UI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Java is often considered the worst in that regard. They tend to be the most expensive. Yeah. <sighs> which is All great right. if you're a developer but terrible if you're just trying to get an app built trying to get an application yep exactly uh bright local put out a niche review sites by category this is really handy if you're looking for more places not necessarily you know you can look for more places to generate reviews uh but it's a great link building tool in my opinion you just come down here click on review categories and it'll pop out a list for you and show you where to go uh, and create accounts I would uh, check that out and leverage it. This is also useful if you, you know, you have the general set that pretty much everyone uses was like 75 sites that typically everyone uses. And then you can go in here and find some more that are specific to top SEOs, <laughs> best web design agencies. There's a couple more here. We all know like UpCity uh, is one and Clutch uh, is another. So it's obviously not all inclusive, but at least give you a good place to start. Uh, in particular, if you have your top 75 and your competition is not any of the, on any of these, well, there's a few other high, high DA or higher powered links that you can uh, uh, capture. All right. Send, send me that link. I have several ideas for new factors based on that information. <laughs> I think that's a gold mine of a, of a page. Yeah. I think they could, they could work a little bit harder for it, but you know, it's, you know, bright local, to me it to me because of what the service that they, they offer this should be a little bit more encompassing but it's still it's still pretty good um so i would i would keep going with it and and leverage it as much as you can uh let's see uh seo power suite 
Uh, 50 best PR tools every marketer should try. This is actually uh, a, if you're doing press releases or public relations stuff, uh, it's really about promotion. Uh, and this is some ways to manage your promotion stuff uh, process. Obviously, the, the typicals are in here, BuzzFeed, Rank Tracker, et cetera, SBO Spyglass because they're heavy on their stuff. Uh, some news media lists. This is actually a really good site to go and kind of reach out to some more people, kind of like Harrow, but you get to target journalists a little bit better. Uh, there is a free plan and some pricing <clears throat> paid models too as well, so you can get a little bit uh, deeper into it if you want to uh let's see what was the other one that i wanted to point out subject line this is actually really handy if you're just kind of playing around with it i use a lot of these tools this kind of subject line or title generator tools etc uh to create multiple uh, titles for my software that break out of the the norm from from other things so uh that would be pretty useful to you uh harrow PR web and pretty much the rest of these are uh, typical stuff. This one, the bat, I haven't tried that out yet. So I would look at that too, if you want to. Uh, wow. Again, there's 50 in here, there's some decent resources. Maybe there's something in there. You're having a specific problem. Uh, you can go in there, scan through and see if they found the solution for you. It'll save you some time. I need, I need to go through that and make sure they're all in the IMG tool database. Yeah. So yeah. if you need a thousand more, get a free account on IMG and we have a <laughs> database of tools like this. But this looks awesome. Yeah, they did They did a really good job with this one. You know, as you all know, typically they promote a lot of their own software in their blog post, but this one's good because they, you know, expanded beyond that, which is awesome. Appreciate that. This is a, not even an article. I wanted to point out this site because I thought it was really cool. And it's called marketingexamples.com. And they just go along and they just kind of take things and, and, and give you ideas um, and things you can do for your marketing process, or maybe you can try it out. And they reverse engineer marketing campaigns. Uh, and then, you know, this is what we did. This is the results we got, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they put it up on this site and you can do different variations. Again, you see a cold email, I click content and unclick that and I won't see those anymore. Um, you know, tips on writing, uh, writing cold emails and keeping it funny, some drafts and stuff like that. So I would go ahead and put this on your, uh, in your bookmarks as a, uh, a swipe file type of site, because it's really cool. The, the information that they put in here and some of the, ideas that you know maybe you just haven't even thought about uh there's i found it by clicking on or finding one of their recent articles uh, yeah see, this it was this one you're you're just like knocking them out of the park this is really amazing like one of the the coolest things i ever stumbled across uh and like reverse engineering other people's marketing was unsubscribing from groupon and if you've never done that, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, they force you to unsubscribe. They force you to watch a video of somebody who walks up to the email manager at Groupon and throws a cup of coffee in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and then they guilt trip you about it and make you reconsider uh, leaving the list. I had to sign up again so I could watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so if there's a database of cool marketing uh, strategies like that for your content and how to make it engaging and, and you know, that's awesome. 
because yeah. a lot of us we we suck at selling like you know we're good at the technical parts of our job we know how to alter the titles we know how to uh, you know, change the, the HTML, we know how to do the keyword analysis. But when it comes time to getting human beings to open their wallets and give you the money, you know, that's a different thing. It's an art form to itself. And, you know, any help you can get on getting people to, to convert is huge. Yeah. And so this might be the most impactful uh, article you have today simply in terms of getting dollars yeah getting knowledge bombs i actually had a project i was going to do it was called swipefile.com i think i still own the domain name but basically i wanted to do what these guys were doing uh, but it was a lot harder and it, if you've never tried to look at and analyze marketing campaigns and different aspects thereof it is a crazy ton of work and that's where seo this week came from because i didn't want to do all that work it was a good idea at the time but i just didn't want to dedicate the time to do it and so the fact that these guys do it and i appreciate that they're doing it so um, i have no problem highlighting it at all again marketing marketing examples.com really easy domain name to remember so try it out uh this one is from dan taylor i get a couple of them if you don't know dan taylor he's the guy that started coining that edge seo term and using uh cloudflare and etc to handle some of your seo tasks he's put together just some general posts and this is more of an entertainment post you're not really going to learn a whole lot out of this but just some issues or some nightmares that people had in the e-commerce space that will um you know, may or may not resonate with you, or at least if you read it and then you go, oh crap, and kind of remember that in the back of your mind or anything. One that hit me with a lot was the disavow robots text and how that can screw up a launch of a brand new website if you're not paying attention to that bad boy. Um, and so, and then there's a few others in here. It's, you know, you get a good chuckle out of this and, and go, yeah, I kind of, I can kind of relate to that. And if anything, maybe you can put together a checklist to make sure that you don't experience those same things. There's going to be more. I, from my understanding, he's going to do some different markets or different types of blogs or different types of, of websites for this horror story series. So um, check it out if you uh, liked this one. Uh, Backlinko, Brian Dean, he's getting ready to relaunch his uh course on uh, promotion of blog content uh and with that as you as you know he always he just kind of repurposes his new content changes the titles changes the dates and cleans everything up uh, for the new launch and so when i was talking about promoting your blog and there's some ways to do that um, that will definitely help you out i won't go into much i think a lot of us has already seen most of brian dean's stuff he's only got like 100 articles on his website so if you haven't read all of them by now then you're slacking uh and but it's really good a roll up of stuff and this is what i'm talking about when i say create new content that actually provides some value and etc and you know he just spends probably a month writing a piece of content and then he promotes it using these methods and that's how he's getting so much traction so if you hate on guys like dean or patel and stuff then you're really just going to hate on your own laziness because those guys are actually reaching out there and doing stuff uh, and i appreciate the hard work and effort that goes into doing these even if it's you know there's a back end 
idea about doing the updates is promoting the course. And I think we're all in here to make money. And so he's doing a good job of leveraging that. Uh, Raven Tools. I haven't done a blog post or highlighted a post from them for quite some time. This is actually pretty cool. It was about keyword mapping. And the reason this popped into my head at the time is we're talking to Marty over um, and he's doing a positioning course and he does a lot of keywords and talking about keyword mapping. And so does Stephen Kang. Um, I didn't get a lot of opportunity to talk to him. Ted, I know you did. He's got some great ideas on, on keywords and research of, and sorting, it, et cetera. Well, I, you know, fundamentally, uh, I like to distinguish between intentional SEO and accidental SEO. <laughs> and when you look at most people's rank trackers, they fill it full of keywords that are largely accidental SEO. So ideally, you're taking your sitemap for the website and you are mapping out the most important keyword for each page. And then you're tracking those most important targets as to how well they're performing or not. And that's intentional SEO. But when your rank tracker is, you know, 60% full of keywords that have close to zero search volume, just because you rank number one for them. Uh, and that's accidental SEO at its finest. So keyword mapping in my mind is all about practicing intentional SEO. Yep. I think it's really cool. There's some cool tools and stuff in here. Um, Pablo, you know, it's Pablo. He's getting around. He's got some good scripts. Again, here's another script for his. Uh, and you can check out this post and leverage it for all that you desire. Uh, there's a comment in there on the uh, marketing experiments site. Uh, Thomas Cook, which is an example there, we're not a business, maybe not use that one. I think it's you, to me, if all of you're looking at is people's successes and you're trying to model them, you're missing the point. You should be learning from failures as much as successes. So uh, let's say that the example on the website for Thomas Cook was um, – a good marketing success, but then they had a, a business failure issue. Uh, there's a learning point in there. And so you should not just, you know, focus on the people that are successful, especially in today's day and age where you only see the A side. Uh, you never get to see the B side of people's lives for the most part uh, or their businesses. So I would, you know, be very, very careful when, if that's your, your, your method of the knowledge that you want to follow. So, um, Everybody has failures uh, and not everyone has the balls to talk about those failures and what, you know, how they got there and how they got out of it. Uh, or if they do, they do it as part of their quote unquote story so they can pitch you their latest and greatest thing. Um, so just, you know, be careful that that's how you gauge the quality of who you're learning from. Hopefully that makes any sense. Yeah. I like Kyle Roof's advice. You know, we all fail all the time the real art form is learning how to fail forward. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Beidou, I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's the uh, Chinese search engine. Uh, this is another post from Dan Taylor. It's talking about getting your sites indexed in there. I think it's a really good opportunity to actually try it out and see how your market will handle or how your message and your marketing will handle the Chinese market. There's, billions of people over there so if you're not leveraging or trying to at least reach them 
uh, I think you're missing out. It does raise the question, do I keep my site in English or do I trans translate it to the common language over in China, which would be Mandarin, I believe is, is one, um, or do I leave it in English? But here's some steps that you can go to take to start getting your site indexed over there. Uh, and at least reach a new market. Maybe, you know, maybe there's something over there that you didn't understand or didn't know about, but they can really help you out. So I would check it out. It's, if anything, it's worthwhile to get some extra traffic to help boost your Google rankings. Have you ever used any or been a part of anything that with the targeted beta you, Ted? Uh, well, I've worked with it a little bit. Um, you know, the early versions of that search engine were in Chinese only. So if, if you didn't have an ability to support, you know, Chinese inquiries, then it, you could be biting off more than you can chew. Uh -huh. So just make sure that when somebody emails you asking questions that you're ready to handle them. It's not enough to simply translate your website. You actually have to be able to support human beings that speak a different language. Yeah. Well, if you're taking their money, but if you're leveraging from traffic, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would use that as an excuse not to try. You know what I mean? So I would rather just get it out there, promote to the other country. And then if it turns into something where I can invest money into it and, then, and get it more, uh, then I'm good. And I haven't wasted all of that time trying to, you know, get, x y and z translated exactly by a natural language person etc if i don't know that the, the that the reach is really going to matter so yeah um, it it depends two sides on, of that coin i'm sure yeah it depends on your business like my fear as a software provider is i would get an influx of support inquiries that would take 95 percent of my time <laughs> uh, just because they're so hard to even answer the simplest thing yeah. yeah so that would be the worry google translate or microsoft translate api into your email <laughs> yeah. yeah no no problems with that ever <laughs> uh this is a good one gary uh let's see oh no there's another one i got these two mixed up uh ignore link span ransom attempts i don't know if you've seen these around but there's people that are emailing businesses or website owners saying in this case buy my stuff or we're going to link spam you i seen another one where they were going to they were holding robbie richards hostage uh and saying uh leave some positive reviews or i'm going to link spam you uh, for whatever reason this is a thing now I don't, I don't get it i would wonder there's two questions here one is this company really that stupid to to do it or is it a, a negative attempt to get this site uh, attacked or reported on, by Google, to Google or to search engines or whatever for um, a link spam thing uh, well, using this message out to others? So it could be one of two things. If, to me, if they're dumb enough to do this, and they probably deserve to get wiped off of Google, but if, they're, if this is an attack, then um, that that could be cause questions as well. John is saying ignore these. My recommendation would be to ignore these. This will go in the same category as the Nigerian prince trying to give you all the gold, uh, in my opinion. Well, the, the thing they're doing is they're asking you to commit a crime. When they tell you leave a positive review or I'll do X, uh, fake reviews is technically illegal in the U.S. The 
the FTC is starting to crack down on those. Uh, you know, don't commit a crime is your way to defend against these attacks. And, you know, ignoring it is absolutely right. You know, and if there's some place to send them at the FTC, send them there because these guys are soliciting others. They're trying to uh, extort others into committing crimes. Yeah. I think from both sides, it could be for the business aspect. If it is this company doing it, I highly, I can't imagine anyone would really be that stupid. Uh, but if it is them, just ignore it. They're not going to get any benefit out of it. And if it isn't them, then just be aware that you know people can do that to you. The one Robbie Richards got, they actually used his contact us email or a link uh, in everything inside of there, uh, trying to leverage that, which yeah, was and, which was odd. And just because save, of the way that it's built out. Save the email, archive the email, because if you ever have trouble with Google, I would imagine it is a home run to send Google that email in the reconsideration request. Yeah. And there might actually be a black hat technique of creating emails to use in those reconsideration requests. Yeah. If you have proof that it is negative SEO, uh, save it, save that evidence plus also don't fall for the um negative seo doesn't work or bad links don't work or etc um, it's harder with links but you can still do it uh to with some quite some effectiveness so uh, like ted said keep those around and save them and do link audits which brings me to the next one gary isles says you shouldn't do link audits he said it's, <laughs> unless you know that there was shady seo on your site it's the worst advice ever someone should smack him off the stage for actually giving this out well um, it just it just proves that the people over at google haven't done a day of seo in their life yeah they're not out there helping plumbers rank for their locale they that's not what they do they don't know how to do it if it was their job they'd be fired for being so terrible at yeah. it we're so dumb. Oh, we're not going to do link on it. No, never. No, that's your first clue. You should dump that clown. Um, you want to do link on us for three things. One, you want to make sure you're not getting negative SEO with bad links. Uh, again, it takes a lot more work to do that, but you can still do it. Uh, two, you want to find out where you are. Where's your baseline? And then three, you want to compare that audit to your competitors to see what you have to, what you're competing with because links matter. Uh, and if you're not doing a link audit, you're wasting your time. I can't even believe that Barry posted this without any further comment or even challenging it. I think to me, it's just the dumbest advice ever. Yeah. Uh, I, thankfully, a lot of their commenters in here uh, said the same thing and agree with Ted and I that I don't even yeah I, I go with this <laughs> i like barry but the the thing that i i would have people know is that barry openly admits that he's not an seo all right he's a journalist that's reporting on google and seo but he is not a practicing seo you know i've seen him take both sides of that though i've seen him say that i'm not an seo and then i've seen other stuff where he's saying he's got clients so either you're an SEO or, or you're not an SEO. Well, you could be white. Or you're not pu pushing, you're putting yourself out there as an SEO. Which one is it? You, the guy's got to take a side. You know True. what I mean? So in, in search engine roundtable, he's passing on information. It's, that's his model and it works for him and he gets a lot of credit and a lot of people go to it. I go to it every day. I'm sure I'm not the only one. 
Um, I think to me, if he's always going to add his opinion and insights into it, then he needs to do that. Uh, and if he's going to write or process just like this, then he should be able to challenge it. So like in, in this case, I don't think anyone would be surprised that Google would say it. That's kind of his challenge, uh, but it's weak at best. So uneducated person or a client reads something like this and you tell them that you're going to do a link on it and they're like, Google says they don't have to. That's a that's an objection that you got to get over now for no other reason than because um, this was irresponsibly put out, in, in my opinion. So that's a good point. Yeah, he should at least have a pool of SMEs that he can go to and comment on on these statements. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Here's here's what five SEO experts had to say on it. Yeah. Or gone and hooked up with Marie. I'm sure she's really, you know, easy enough for her him to link up to and get her reaction to that um, in an open form. So, and then the last one, the September core update. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but this is another um, review. I, I think we we went over Eric's last week, and this is a uh, Glenn Gabe. Uh, and he's looking over you, his conclusions in regards to the update. Uh, Ted went over last week as well some stuff uh, from from his conclusions. I say put all those three together and, and kind of see if you could figure out what changed and how it impacted you. The biggest part that I like here is the baby baby algorithms um, concept and you know how Google has said and other people have said that eat is not a thing but these baby algorithms can combine together and, and give what we would consider to be eat uh so that gets addressed in here as well and he's got some nice data uh kind of backing his theories up so i would check this out this is a it's another example of a good post you know they're they're providing data and it, you know it's um that is useful so i would check this out combine it with what ted said combine it with eric said and see if you can find you know, the the truth <laughs> do we really need arrows to show us when the chart goes up or down yeah the arrows grab attention that's <laughs> sometimes it's a little silly I like Eric's. Eric's has got the you know the cursive writing over here, which is kind of funny because probably half the people can't even read cursive anymore because I know half the people can't write it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the arrows, that's attention grabbing. That's pattern interrupt, Ted. That stands out. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's it. That's the, uh, wow, 42 minutes to get through the articles. That's probably the longest uh, we've ever taken to do that. It's crazy. What's wrong with this? Well, yeah, thirteen. That was a good run. Yeah, it was. It was. A good, it was a decent week. Uh, let's get into questions. And Blake had that question earlier about Google sandboxes. Hey guys, is there any way to get a new site out of the Google sandbox? Uh, All right. First off, we have to define it because so many people mean different things when they say that. So the way I define Google Sandbox is when does a new website start getting credit for its backlinks? You can use the uh, link colon operator uh, to figure that out and it's diagnostic. It's not authoritative, people uh, dog on it because it's only a small sampling. 
but it's diagnostic. And what it's diagnostic of is zero backlinks, according to Google, or more than zero backlinks. So if you have more than zero backlinks for your website, according to Google, I would call that out of the sandbox. And I've seen in the past websites get stuck in the sandbox for months, sometimes as many as 10 months. The thing to note is that if you're link building that whole time, it all comes back once you get out. So yeah. it doesn't go to waste. You just don't see the effects until you hit some time-based threshold. That time-based threshold has been changing. I don't know what it is today. I usually just tell everyone like 60 days, you know, as a general, as a general rule uh, for looking at that, especially if you got a new website, you get the new website, new links, you got to build trust, et cetera. And it takes 60 days ish for that to kind of switch over and start getting some credit. Yeah. And uh, people uh, often ask, why would Google even bother to do this? is because way back in the day, uh, Google did research and found out that most web spammers give up after 10 months. <laughs> That's what set that initial 10 months is that all those people will quit and it'll never pollute the uh, results. So it's just a crap filter based on time. You know, there is some truth to that too you go to the forums and stuff the newbie forums uh warrior forum black hat world etc and you can pretty much see that pattern they get started they're excited for a couple months oh no now it's hard google's penalizing me i'm in the sandbox and then they walk away so that 10 months is probably about right that wouldn't make a lot of sense uh, let's see uh next one is from mike calvin hey guys for passing internal link juice on a smaller site less than 50 pages would you would it make sense to remove the navigation menu and simply use contextual links uh from a user perspective i say no because your navigation menu is going to have what home and then your primary converting pages right uh obviously you'll have some supplemental converting pages there as well um, but taking that out to me it just it's really it's not you're essentially if you take it out you're creating specific landing pages and then i, I just don't see the value in doing it right or like you would really just hurt your user navigation to me i don't i wouldn't think that would be worth the seo gains that you get out of it ted yeah, top navigation is for human beings and conversion. Uh, your CRO experts at your business are going to lose their minds if you suggest <laughs> that. Uh, just, just remember that, you know, top navigation is for human beings and footer navigation is for SEO. Oh, uh, you know, do your link schemes and your content, do them in the footer, but kind of let the CRO people own the primary nav. Yeah. I honestly don't think, uh, in in my opinion, and Kyle did a test like this for SIA, testing the different positions of links and see which one passed the most juice and contextual always won. I don't think that you're losing that much juice by having it in the navigation at all. I, yeah. I, I think if anything, it's probably marginal. Uh, I, so I wouldn't even worry about it. Yeah, I had a highly successful 20-year career as an enterprise SEO in online retail, and I almost exclusively dealt with exact match footer anchors. So yeah. 
you know, the, the difference in, in those links are, I would argue are very difficult to, to measure. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even Kyle admitted that, you know, it's just, he just contextual stood out more because the bounce was more significant, but uh, I, I don't think that you're losing anything with navigation. I think Google's kind of smart enough. All the algorithms for that matter are kind of smart enough to say that's navigation. We get it. It's kind of supposed to be there kind of like your about page and cocktail does in terms of service privacy policy. Uh, so eliminating them or no following them in order to sculpt link use to me is just a waste of time. That's my opinion. Uh, here's Leon. What's your opinions on sporadic placement of keywords, variations, LSI within the content uh, on the page versus methodical placement of them? Let's say this content will only be seen by the crawlers. Well, technically, the <laughs> I know where Leon's going with this, Ted. I'm pretty sure you know by now. But well, the, <laughs> the prime example of this is what Kyle did with rhinoplasty plano. Yep. where it was lorem ipsum and he peppered in the right numbers of keywords and variations and LSIs. And so it doesn't get any more sporadic than literally keyword tuning gibberish. Yeah. And that, that went to the top and it, you know, it reinforces Kyle's claim that Google's algorithm is just an algorithm. And if you uh, give it the correct math, the correct measurements, uh, it'll do what you expect it to do. Yeah, I agree too. I, I, you know, I think if you do it methodically, maybe programmatic, programmatically, that's a big word for me today, because I know what Leon's doing is would be easier than just telling your software to, you know, throw it against the wall and just match the numbers. Um, but I really don't think that you get much difference out of the two. Yeah, and and I just see that from from a mass page uh, generation perspective, and then com competing it with Tiles results from the lorem ipsum, which if you don't know, uh, he's repeated on several other keywords just to prove that it still works. Um, and then there's other people that actually copied his site exactly, changed the city name, and ranked them number one for multiple words too. So um, that Laura Mipsum stuff still works. And then what Leon's doing, combining those two together, I think it's gonna be badass. Um, and I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing that soon. I know Ted is because that was, that's just killer. He just took your research and just blew it out of the water. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They've, they've taken it further is my understanding. They've uh, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, the Google time exploit and uh, uh, they are the third group to verify it. And not only did they verify it, but they ported it over to the mobile index as well. Yeah. So they, verified that it's on mobile which i uh, did not do so they've they've extended that research yep yeah the, and the ways they're going to leverage that is awesome i'm looking forward to just knowing that there's smart people out there like that they can kind of take that and, and jump forward just makes doing these shows all that much worth worthwhile so we know we're not we're wasting our time so speaking of wasting our time seo fight club tomorrow what are we talking about <laughs> Well, uh, there's been a lot of buzz about uh, rank trackers and people losing their minds over significant uh, drops in rankings and the rank trackers. And it looks like uh, Google might be 
targeting rank trackers because of some of the things they're doing in their source code. So if you have seen, you know, uh, across the board, massive decreases in your rankings using your favorite rank tracker, I highly recommend you go and manually check it because there is very good odds that absolutely nothing has changed. And what is uh, quite possibly happening is your keywords that have people also ask uh, information, uh, those are masquerading as search results and they typically appear above the organic web results. And so if there are nine links and people also ask, your rank tracker may be indicating that you fell nine places. When in fact you haven't, those shouldn't be masquerading as search results. And the short version is they just changed the code, right? So that yeah. their trackers are reading differently, right? Yeah, but it's it's in a way that makes rank trackers look like the sky is falling. <laughs> uh, and it's hard to do that accidentally. I would say the, the fact that they made it so exact. Like for us, this is the part where I get upset at Google. For us, if we make ads look like content and if we make other, you know, tricks to look like something else to kind of fool people while well, we get punished for that but google does it they violate their own rules let's make the ads look like organic results and let's make these people also ask things look like organic results and so they're not playing by the same rule set mm -hmm. uh they they should clearly define that these are different things and that's not even google's rule that's ftc's rule so um yeah, that's where the antitrust stuff comes in, and hopefully they they jump on them some because they're really pushing the boundaries these days. Like I don't, I don't know, they got a whole new mess of employees or what, or the culture of their change, but they're crazy pushing the boundaries these days. Yeah, so if your rankings fell through the floor, be skeptical. Go manually check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, SEO Power Suite, they're. Um, <clears throat> their rank tracker is what I use. The variance was not that significant, but there was some I saw it. Um, Cora freaked out that one day, uh, and you had to do that fix. Um, so there's there's really something behind this. We use Nightwatch and Serpwoo as well, um, and saw some variances in, in, in those. So definitely come check out the show tomorrow, um, and maybe we'll get into you know what they changed in the code as well uh, and maybe even some whys uh and what they're going to use that new data and that new lookalike data for yeah yeah i, I plan in in actually covering all of the pitfalls that i'm aware of in rank tracking and hopefully some rank tracking vendors can like latch on to it and bring us into you know some future technology because uh, there's a lot of problems with rank trackers. And tomorrow we're going to talk about it. And this also brings up a good point of why you don't, when you're doing your reporting, you don't report rankings, you report money. Yeah, yeah. So it, is, and we'll go into that too. It's perfect. All right. So it looks like that's it for questions. We've hit an hour. I'd like to thank you all for watching. Again, tomorrow, SEO Fight Club at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Um, and we look forward to seeing you all there. And thanks again for joining us. Thanks for coming, Ted. Thank you.
Bye, everyone.